I know how big of a fan you are of the odd double feature. Definitely. So I'm taking you back to Miami Ooh. to a drag club. Oh, right. With an owner who has to kind of take the Miami out of his life. He has to appeal to some outsiders, to some squares, okay. if you will. Okay. Kay, have you seen the birdcage. I have not. Okay, it's great. I'm so excited. Pop, I'm getting married. <laughs> it's a girl. I met her at school. It's this wonderful, uh, what, what are you, are you upset? But let me tell you why. Don't use that tone to me. What tone? That sarcastic, contemptuous tone that means you know everything because you're a man and I know nothing because I'm a woman. You're not a woman. Oh, you bastard. Are you crazy? You can't get married. It's out of the question. We've been sleeping together for a year. Oh, God. Has he been tested? Oh, Kevin. Yes, and so have I. Oh! Uh, who's his father? His father is in the arts. You do an eclectic celebration of the dance. You do Fosse, Fosse, Fosse. You do Martha Graham, Martha Graham, Martha Graham. You know, Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. But you keep it all inside. What does the mother do? She's a housewife. Oh, I could play it straight. You take your knife and you smear. Men smear. Smear, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Get the pinky <laughs> down. Oh. I hold the knife boldly in yeah. strength. <laughs> no, I'm killing my fish, the toast. Al, you old so-and-so. How do you feel about that call today? I mean, the Dolphins, fourth and three play on their 30-yard line with only 34 seconds to go. How do you think I feel? Betrayed, bewildered? Call me. Perfect. Won't you come in? Senator Keeley, Mrs. Keeley, come here and give me a hug. Feel such tension. It's like riding a psychotic horse towards a burning stable. Oh God, it's a nightmare. Get up, everybody, and oh. Something about the father and the skull. I can't put my finger on it's it. It's nothing. What do you mean? It's, it's nothing. It is Dad, something. It is nothing. Something very strange is going on. Hello and welcome. I'm Kari. And I'm Kyle. And this is K Have You Seen, the podcast too cool for taglines, but not like in an unapproachable way. And we are here discussing The Birdcage, a 1996 classic directed by Mike Nichols and starring Robin Williams and Nathan Lane, which Kyle has not seen. Yeah, I, this is my first time viewing, and uh, it's, a, it's an interesting film about uh, a couple of men who own and operate a... Uh, drag club in South Beach, mm -hmm. and uh, just carrying over a theme of, of Miami, the yes, colors, definitely. the vibrancy from I did last week. I did appreciate the fact that they made a point that this was not Miami; it's South Beach. Miami is a thirty-minute drive down the road. Oh, okay, um, okay. Uh, but also not Palm Springs. Not Palm, definitely not Palm Springs, um, or Palm Beach for that matter. Um, oh yeah, that one. Right. Ugh, the Californias <laughs> and Floridas always get confused. Of course, of course. It's the palm trees. How can you really, how can you really tell them apart? They both have a Hollywood. They both yep. have like, ugh, all the same cities. I don't both know why they decided to do it like that. Both got a Valparaiso. Yeah. 
It's wild stuff. But um, yeah, interesting flick about these uh, these two guys who are in a relationship and they own a drag club in South Beach and have to uh, present themselves to their son's fiance's ultra conservative family. So that's kind of like the Ooh, yeah. that is the that is the story in a nutshell. And Kari, what was it about this movie that made you want to bring it to the table? Like, what does this movie mean to you? Where does it fit into your background in film-going history? Um, well, this is yet another, I feel like, on trend. All of the movies I bring are just movies that I saw at the right age to stick in my head. It's yet again also on trend. Quotable. This is K. Have You Seen Mad Libs? Thanks for joining is, us. Yeah, like I just, these are the kind of movies that appeal to me. Something that I can quote later. Something that just, I, as I was watching this, I had the opposite experience that I've had with a lot of my movies, which is just like, oh no, am I going to hate this? This one, I was, oh my gosh, I just, from the beginning, so happy to be watching this movie again. I don't watch it often. It's, it's just one that's kind of stuck in my brain, and I think I I'm, I feel strongly about it because it's just really joyful. Like, sure. It's I mean we'll talk about the it, it does have like a very poignant side. There is a kind of yeah. Sad. There is a certain amount of darkness in the yeah. story, but nothing too extreme. There is a certain amount of like a little bit of darkness and a little bit of sadness to the mm -hmm. story as well. And it's interesting that you said like very on brand for like the kinds of movies that you you enjoy because I was thinking the I was about to make a snide comment because I was like the kinds of <laughs> you? movies no. and I was because like, <laughs> I was like what does the I was like yeah the Birdcage and Bedazzled yeah but I was like on the surface level. They have a very similar sense of humor, I feel yeah. like. But the difference, I think, is that in The Birdcage, there is a lot of subtext in there as well and a yeah. lot of depth to that surface-level humor, which I think is one of the things that makes it appealing is that there is, you know, you can enjoy it on a surface level, but you can also dig a little deeper and a little deeper, and there is more to it than just the surface. Yeah, totally. I think it is, like, it, it sticks in my mind because it's so over the top and silly and colorful and just a very like fun kind of flippant movie but it I don't know makes you feel strongly about it because there really is a heart and a depth to it that we will definitely talk about but going back to your so mm -hmm. you thought Bedazzled and Birdcage were very similar or you're no, like uh -huh, I was how saying, could you make that comparison? That was my initial oh, thought okay. I was like how could you make the comparison they seem so dissimilar mm -hmm. but then I thought okay the surface level humor of both of them I can see like the the, the type of humor that it kind of goes for in a lot of the in a lot of the gags in the movie were kind of <laughs> I, I can kind of <laughs> see it I can see it can we just talk about the gags before we get into let's we do it hold. why not <laughs> okay no, no, no. We'll hold. We'll hold. We'll we'll do this in order. <laughs> I will set up the movie okay. first. Um, so, did you know anything about this movie before? Had you? What did you know? I knew very little about it. I knew the basic plot. Mm -hmm. Like basic. What I described at the top there was pretty much all I knew about it ahead of time. Um, and you did know that, or I did know. Now bring that. Okay. Right. I did know that this was the the basic, pretty much the log line mm -hmm. of this story was that there is a gay couple whose son is mm -hmm. bringing his fiance over for dinner with her family, and so they have to it, it, like almost have a farcical kind of play acting yeah. of, of being a different type of family than they actually are. Mm -hmm. um, that is all I really knew about it. And in mm -hmm. fact, I was surprised when the Nathan Lane playing uh, Val's mother part was only in like the last 10 minutes of the movie. Oh, okay. I thought that was like the main 
deal. I thought that was like the main joke of the film uh-huh. that it was going to be one of those kind of like bosom buddies situations where like this is the crux of the comedy here oh. that there's a man portraying a woman and uh-huh. how are they going to get away with this? Um, I thought that was going to be it. So mm-hmm. the basic idea I was familiar with, but I had a totally different expectation than the movie that I actually got. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, interesting. Yeah, because that's, I mean, when you say it like that, yeah, it does seem like the drama would be him having to pass himself off as a woman. But the way Nichols has it, and I don't, this is based on an opera, so mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. which I have not seen, which is surprising. I love the theater, but the drama he really finds in the, the build up, the decision of like how to portray themselves as normal rather mm-hmm. than like, ha ha ha, he has to be a woman, like all these weird things that women do. Mm-hmm. And much more than that, there was, it was funnier watching him try to be a man for that like little yes, period where they're yeah. like trying to fit him into, trying to fit Nathan mm-hmm. Lane's character into the normal family setup, right. possibly as an uncle or as like a visiting yeah. someone. And so. And I think that, you know, yeah. the, the idea of, you know, the man in drag as a woman and trying to actually pass himself off as a woman is such a trope in just in like kind of farcical comedies since forever mm-hmm. that that it the central conflict of that is like are they going to be found out or is that really wasn't even a thing here like right. Nathan Lane's character Albert is so convincing as a woman that nobody questions it yeah like Armand and Val are both really concerned that they're going to be found out but honestly nobody else nobody at the table who doesn't already know has any suspicion whatsoever. Right, and that's, you know, because he's this professional drag performer, like, you get more comedy from, like, masculinity than, like, trying to play into femininity. Yeah, it was a reversal of that classic trope, and yes, definitely, like, some of the funniest parts of the movie were the experiments with, like, how can we make you more (laughs) masculine? You pierced the toast. (laughs) So what? (laughs) There's just so much that's good in this movie. you expected more of kind of um, Nathan Lane's character. I keep wanting to call him Armand, but that was Robin Williams' mm-hmm. character. Albert. Albert. Yes. Yeah. Too close. Not Very, too. There's A-names. a lot. There's That's so much. Armand. There. Albert. Agad. Agaz. Agador. 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 Spartacus. Yeah. 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 It's like, I, who, who, man? That's yeah, is that deliberately tricky. confusing or what? <laughs> um, the the climax, the build up mm-hmm. to the climax is very like comedy of errors, yes. like. Things just go wrong. Timing is comedically mm-hmm, bad. Mm-hmm. All that. So, were you kind of surprised in the way that f- fell out? Because you don't really know that Albert is going to play the mom until that no, last minute. No, and that's the thing. Of. And so that's why it was kind of odd for me because I went into the movie knowing that that was part of what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, had I been surprised by that, I would have gotten a completely different experience. Um, I guess what I was expecting was exclusively just kind of a broad comedy. Uh-huh. Um, but then. I didn't know Mike Nichols directed this movie, and mm, yeah. he's a very well-known director. I don't know yeah. how familiar you are with his work, but I like mean, the Graduate, the Graduate, like, Catch yeah. Twenty Two, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, um, mm-hmm. and up to Charlie Wilson's War recently. Mm-hmm. I think that was his last film, I, if I remember right. I think so. Um, he died, was that last year or two years? No, ago? Uh, he's been dead since 2014, I think. Mm-hmm. But regardless, yeah, yep. uh, yeah. So he, but prolific and very highly regarded, and. Um, um, I was having this conversation with somebody that I was impressed because I was surprised that he had directed this movie. I just didn't know that ahead of time. Um, but I thought it was interesting because a lot of those like new Hollywood directors from the 60s and 70s who were really highly regarded, first of all, didn't do anything noteworthy after that. Mm-hmm. A lot of them didn't. And many of them also, like when they did do work, it's like they weren't able to 
keep pace with the times. Yeah. Whereas this is so on the nose, and in fact, kind of prescient in in, the, in its presentation, because it's like it would be it would have been very easy for a guy who was very in the zeitgeist of like the '60s and '70s to turn this kind of a story into something that would not age well. Yeah. You know, 22 yeah. years later, looking at it now, I feel like we kind of see it as kind of still pretty timely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Nichols is a director or a also performer that I think of as very, like, not too in the zeitgeist, but always, he was never not with it. Like, he's got his finger on the pulse. Yeah, yeah. in a way that's not, like, mm. trend-seeking, but he's when comedy duos were a thing, like, he was yeah. really at the forefront of that. And then when... You know the just the right moments for all of these. The Graduate was a generation defining yeah, film. Touchstone. Like he was somebody that is admirable and how much he can judge mm -hmm. people and where they're at at any given time in a timeless way and in a very yeah specific timely way. Yeah, and I, I feel like some filmmakers as well as just some you know figures, celebrities, whatever in general. It's like some of them just happen to fit their time period where mm -hmm. they're relevant, but others like Mike Nichols are able to maintain relevance by being, you know, aware of what's happening in the world at the time that they're that they are in as well as keeping it in like a broader kind of a context and then maintaining their um their like I said their finger on the pulse and I think yeah. that he was really good about about doing that in uh in a really effective way especially in this film. Yeah. And like we talked about um with Bedazzled again drawing a lot of weird parallels. Um Harold Ramis like that movie was the way it was partially because of his sensibilities. There are some story choices that seem in line with kind of Mike Nichols' work, like finding yeah. the drama in just family dynamics right. and in, you know, being yourself versus hiding yourself and that kind of theme mm -hmm. rather than just leaving this as a broad comedy right. or letting this get too dark. Like the balance he strikes feels very specific to him. And I think that like, you know, some of his strengths is that he's not really afraid to mine comedy out of somewhat like taboo subjects. Mm -hmm. Like in The Graduate, the idea of like, oh, this guy's like banging his girlfriend's mom. Mm -hmm. Or in the in Catch-22, it's like an anti-war stance and that came out during the Vietnam War period. And mm -hmm. then in this movie, it's like, I think that by the mid 90s, the idea of like, where do LGBT people fit into American society was a conversation that was just starting to be taken more seriously yeah. um, for the first time in a long time. And I think that like he, really saw which way the wind was blowing and was interested in like fleshing out that kind of dynamic with you know not just examining the lives of gay people but also examining like what would happen if you put these people in a room with like an ultra conservative senator mm -hmm. you know and saying like okay well let's let's see where this goes yeah. um and portraying that in a way that is you know kind of believable honestly mm -hmm. like it doesn't seem over the top like this could have very easily been a meet the parents, but mm -hmm. with, with but with a gay couple. Yeah. And it's not that. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's also not like overly I think the drama, like I think probably the first time I saw this, it didn't affect me the way right. watching it this time did. Like there's just some really heartbreaking moments mm -hmm. in how hard Nathan Lane is trying to fit into this mm -hmm. and how torn Robin Williams is between, you know, giving his son everything he right. wants and supporting his partner in yes. everything that he is. And it's like, it, it's never overt and it's never very like, oh my God, like the drama is never heightened, but mm -hmm. it's it's so subtle and it's so well played that just sometimes, like the scene 
Oh my God, I'm like gonna tear up just thinking about mm. the scene with Nathan Lane where he puts on the suit and he's like trying to like, like towards yeah. the end right before the parents are coming and he's like doing everything and he's like, why isn't it working? I'm, yeah. I'm dressed the way you are. Mm -hmm. I'm saying the things you say, but it makes me even more obvious. And mm -hmm. Albert's heart is broken. Robin Williams is, um, now I want to say Agador. I'm not going to get yeah. any of these names right. Um, Armand. Armand is just, he. you can tell that he is like, he finds it funny, but also he finds it so painful. And, and yeah, that whole scene is is at once, it's like it's it teeters between being funny and sad mm -hmm. for so long. Like, yeah. And it really maintains that tension between yeah. like, which is it? And your emotions are kind of torn in both directions. Also, side note, I thought it was kind of amusing, unintentionally at the time, but I found it kind of amusing that pink socks were considered an obvious giveaway in yeah. 1996, whereas today, if you see a guy in pink socks, you wouldn't even think twice Nouveau about it. Bro. I think this goes back to a conversation we had off mic a while ago about how like some youngsters kind of look back at the 90s as some kind of like golden age, and I'm like, you don't understand. A man wearing pink socks would be pegged as gay in 1996. Yeah. The whole so thing stuff. about gay panic, I mean, like, that's yeah. a thing that, like, I... I don't remember vividly, but I mean, I remember it being a thing. It yeah. was just like, you know, I, I distinctly remember people being legitimately concerned about the fact that it was becoming okay for people to say that they were not totally straight. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was just like a thing. I mean, it was a thing that was being talked about, but with that discussion, a lot of people were really uncomfortable with it. And mm -hmm. that was part of the discussion too. Yeah. I think I just got in a conversation with some of my family about like, PC culture, like is, is being PC going to last or is it a trend? And I do think it's kind of a trend, but like it's in response to this this time where just being anything besides one specific thing was abnormal. It was mm -hmm. not cool. You were like ostracized. And so I think, while I think we're not gonna stay at this level of like how carefully people are, are speaking and acting right now, I, I do think like it's necessary. We're, we're rebounding from Times where like it's just really not most yeah. people could not be the way yeah. they and were. And the fact that like some people don't even like remember mm. when that was the case is part of the reason why I think that it, it there are some people who are really adamant about like maintaining some of those like political politically correct stances and things like that. It's because it's like, no, you really don't understand. Like yeah. it didn't used to be the way it is today, you know? Yeah. And I think you know, it's it's easy to not see if it wasn't affecting right. you. Right, of course. But let's talk a little bit more about this, about the movie itself. I mean, mm -hmm. we've got a lot to unpack about, like the character dynamics and stuff yes. like that. But like, I did, I it's that's such a deep rabbit hole that I did want to make sure we we touched on um, just the actual like the, the filmmaking mm. itself. I was really impressed. Like this movie opens so strong, mm -hmm. which if you're not a movie movie person, you may not pick up. But like the first shot mm -hmm. blew my mind. Yeah. Helicopter shot, right. not a drone, yeah. because drones didn't exist in 1996. A helicopter shot that zooms in over the Atlantic Ocean, zips over the beach, in, into a nightclub scene. Yep. I have no idea how they shot that. I have no clue. I think, I think you're exactly right. There's one moment you can kind of tell there's a little, a little bit, bit of a, a seam, maybe, yeah. yeah. And then like a one-two punch with that one, and then the first cut goes to a very long steady cam shot through the same nightclub, mm -hmm. which, by the way, second film we've covered that opens with a shot of zipping into and through a nightclub. Yes. Callback yeah. Boogie Nights. Check that one out. And throwback to uh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas also has the same kind of thing, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so yeah, this opening shot that goes, I was like blown away yeah. and it goes into this nightclub and it took me a second to figure out what was going on in there, mm. but then I, I was really grossed out. I was really kind of disgusted because everyone was smoking and the whole place was choked <laughs> with cigarette smoke and I was just like, I'm as tolerant as the next guy, but ah, oh, Smokers, man. no. Keep it outside. No smokers in my club. 1996, man. I could just smell it. Anyway, Ugh, whatever. Yeah. What a world we live in today. Last thing on that shot, though. It was a helicopter shot to a jib shot to a tracking yes, shot. Yes, yes. Yeah. Anyway, that whole sequence really, it set up the relationship so beautifully. It did. Like, it, I mean, the yeah. first opening shot's obviously beautiful, but then you get to Robin Williams, who is... Um, the owner of this club, and he's the director, so the stage manager's like, our star is not gonna come on. The star mm -hmm. also happens to be his partner, Albert, yes. and goes up and like has to deal with Albert's kind of breakdown. It kind of just mm -hmm. sets up both of them. Like, I thought it was just like a really efficient first act all around. Introducing, yeah. especially introducing Armand, Albert, and Agadar was like really efficient. Like mm -hmm. their dynamic was instantly clear. Oh yeah, yeah, just beautiful. Agador is my favorite. Oh, uh, we'll talk about this, but yeah, it's, they're, they're a little, you know, it, the whole thing does feel very operatic, mm -hmm. like, once you know that, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, because all the characters are very big, Point but, of clarification, I yes. knew that this was based on a play, is that play actually an opera? I believe so. Oh, is it not? Is I, it I honestly don't know, I, I was kind of surprised when you said that, I just didn't know. A French farce, maybe, maybe not, I might hmm. be incorrect, sorry. But I, Corrections I, department, hmm. it is... A don't play. don't email us about it. Don't email us. Kyle um, caught it. <laughs> but yes, uh, it does seem very big, and I think that like one of the things I found interesting about it was that the characterization of Albert is so over the top mm -hmm. and so flamboyant, and so and I know that's kind of a loaded adjective, but in this mm -hmm. case, I think it's very intentional. Mm -hmm. um, but and I thought and I was thinking about it after the fact, and I was like, I I have to assume that they characterized him in that way because what they were trying to do was like make the most extreme version of what a uh like like what's the word I'm looking for like kind of like a square straight person's idea of a gay person would be oh, uh -huh. to try to make that humanization in the film more oh. pronounced and more mm -hmm. profound I think that might be have been the case because I mean this is obviously given the time period and mm -hmm. the way this movie plays out I mean it's pretty obvious that this was a statement movie right yeah, yeah. you know and I, I I have to infer that they made this one particular character so much of frankly a gay stereotype mm -hmm. in, on the surface level in order to basically throw it in like mainstream audiences' faces and be like yeah he's a stereotype so what who cares right. even like. Looking at the other characters, like Gene Hackman's character is the other end of the spectrum. Correct, he yes. is not only conservative, he is a senator. Yes. He is like, you know, they're they're staying at the bushes. Right. And the stereotypes are on both yes, sides. Yes, exactly, like, yeah. The gulf between mm -hmm. the two characters that need to see eye to eye is so vast. And that's exactly what makes the ending comedy so funny, is you got these two cartoon characters mm -hmm. interacting with each other. Mm -hmm. And I think uh -huh. that's great. I think that's just brilliant filmmaking. Yeah. Um, well, I have a lot more about the plot I want to talk about, but um, mm -hmm. first off, just overall, why why is this a plot that comes back? This is something that's been remade, I guess not anytime recently. It's in the, like, anti-mame was, I want to say the 60s. Mm -hmm. Let me do quick fact-checking. Um, 
But these movies about like parents having to change to mm -hmm. be, yeah, 1958 was Auntie Mae. But okay. basically it's a woman who adopts um, a kid, I forget how, uh, her nephew. She mm -hmm. ends up having to care for her nephew when his father dies. And she's kind of this fabulous, like mm -hmm. larger than life right. woman, just living her life in this beautiful house and beautiful outfits. And so she raises this young boy, and then eventually the boy goes off to college and whatever, comes back with a fiance, and he's he's a you know he's a square. He's mm -hmm. just he wants to get married. He wants to have just a normal life, and she's trying to fit into that after you know raising him in this mm, way yeah, to yeah. be tolerant and to be. I mean, that's not really the angle it's coming at, but to, you know, she's raising him with this open mind to the life she lives, and then right, he's yeah. trying to kind of reel her in or mm -hmm. threaten to separate. So, like, why is that, why is that trope as a plot appealing to remake, and why don't we really remake it anymore um, that I've seen? I, yeah, I feel as though it's like one of those things where it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a situation that I think is widely relatable, not universally, mm -hmm. but I think that it's like something that we can all kind of understand. Mm -hmm. The idea of like trying to kind of conceal certain aspects of our own personalities and trying to like... You know, it's kind of a cliche of like, you know, being embarrassed by your parents or whatever mm -hmm. by one thing or another. Again, it's like a meet the parents kind of thing in, mm -hmm. in reverse, you know. It's like he, in that movie, Ben Stiller is trying to conform to what his girlfriend's parents want him to be, you know. Yeah. The whole idea of, like, you know, there is someone who is important to you and so you are willing to, you know, there's someone who's important to you and so you are willing to basically do them this favor of concealing who you really are in order to, you know, appeal to the other people who are important to them. You know, first yeah. impressions being what they are in in culture at large. It's like, you know, you want to manage and kind of stage manage your own first introduction to a person and kind of like if you ever are going to reveal your true self to them, <laughs> like in the, you know, in a way that is, uh, you know, a little deeper than a surface level introduction, you want to kind of ease people into that, you know? Mm. This isn't easing people in. This is like, like, I wondered with Val, like, what was the end game? So he has someone play his mother mm -hmm. in the ideal world. Yeah. So she plays his mother through all of the pre-wedding events and the wedding and any holiday. I guess after I, the know, wedding, you know, it's probably easy to keep her two families yeah. apart. But I would have to assume that they were just planning to, like, you know, oh, we're just going to keep it small or something like that. I don't know. I feel like there are we're ways to... We're not going to invite mom. We're going to keep it small. <laughs> like, hey, I, people Hey, people do it. People definitely do that. No, I'm serious. Like, The okay. guest list is too small to invite your own mother? Well, uh... Or are you talking about, like, eloping? Uh, not, not eloping, maybe, but, mm. like, I mean, I don't know, not to get too personal, but, like, my parents got married with, like, their parents not a, not at the ceremony. Oh, okay. and they And not because they had bad relationships with their parents. They just were... It, it was it was just that small. That's fair. I mean, um, my parents had a small wedding, but it was like their parents and a couple of friends. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, yeah, I guess they also but, lived really far away. But so like yeah. I feel like that could. I, but all I'm also saying is they were going to do this big white wedding thing. Were like, they planning that? Was that something they were planning early on? The yes, like oh. early on the parents at least. Um, Brenda Barbara. Who oh cares? yeah, yeah, we yeah. See, like two <laughs> scenes of her. Yeah. I'm not a fan of this couple personally. I think. 
they are too immature to be getting married if they're trying to make decisions like this. Uh, yeah, I was definitely but, on Armand's side about this whole thing in the first place. About <laughs> I get them not wanting to get them to get married because they're young, but also if you're making decisions like we need our my parents who have been nothing but loving and supportive mm -hmm. of me to lie and pretend to be someone else just so I can marry this person. No, you are not a man. You are not ready to make this decision, young young boy. Well, okay, I am inclined to agree with you. However, I would also make the argument, like let's say they didn't make that arrangement, mm -hmm. okay? Let's say that the plot of this movie in general just never happened and Val and what the hell was Callista Flockhart's name in this movie? Barbara? Uh, bar Barbara, Barbara, yes, Barbara. After Let's, Barbara Bush, oh, Naturally, of course, because they've been old family friends and yes. they knew each other for long before she was the first lady. Mm -hmm. um, but let's say Val and Barbara uh, are going to get married and they just don't have this meet parents meet each other situation mm -hmm. going on. I, I see that as being a potential uh, possibility, but of course, eventually, if they're doing this large wedding thing, they're going to meet. Yeah. So Armand and Albert are going to meet Gene Hackman and what's-her-face. Um, I have no idea who she is. Uh, Diane West. So they meet each other and... The, the the next scenario that I see is like Barbara's parents being so furious about not only being lied to about this in the first place to get to this wedding point, but also being like basically more or less ambushed by by facts that they are not happy with, um, <laughs> potentially disowning her. And like that's the that's the tricky conversation that this movie doesn't really get into as much is like how much is it worth sacrificing to not have your family whose ideas you disagree with uh, disown you. Cut you know you what out. I mean? Yeah. Cause Especially because they said she wasn't 18 yet. So that disowning... Part, eh, that, yeah, it's a little, little much. Disowning is a real thing when you're you By know, the way, not that independent. That plot point that got glossed over, like, okay, that would, that would be a major point of contention in a movie that was made today. Yeah, he was 20 and she was almost 18. Like, I mean, that's not unheard of, but also that's not like... Why don't you wait till you graduate That's not college? okay. Like, well, yeah. Well, what's going on in the 90s that like you had to get married? Like who you had to. Who knows? Uh, um, uh, yeah. I, there was a couple things. Maybe they're all Val's. I think all of Val's choices did not make sense to me. And I wonder if that was intentional as like a comment on masculinity. If this whole movie is really about the difference between Val as a boy, which mm -hmm. he is until the very end, mm -hmm. where he makes the decision to support his parents in who they are, and then Val is a man. Like, is is this whole movie just about masculinity as a, like, as the difference between, like, immature and mature masculinity, you know? Perhaps. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Makes, he tells um, uh, Robin Williams, like, the whole thing, you think that Robin Williams is meeting a lover at the beginning, mm -hmm. And I think that's because Val told him, like, don't tell anyone I'm coming, like, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. He, like, makes him keep it really secret for just, like, I, I gotta imagine it's okay in Albert and Armand's relationship to have a, a dinner separate from each other right. to be with his son. Mm -hmm. Like, I... Uh, I, I you know, and, and I think I think that's part of the reason why they made like made it pretty clear that like Val has a pretty close relationship with Albert. Also, like he mm -hmm. considers he from the beginning he considers Albert to be like basically his mom, right. not his mother, but his mom. Yeah. Um, and um, I think that that was important because it was not like it it would have been different if it was just kind of like. You having a you know not not them not really having a close relationship right yeah then it would have been just cruel and yes. I think I think he was insensitive I think he didn't 
he watched his parents go through a lot of pain before mm -hmm. he called it off, which I think was yet again a point of like, Maybe maybe this is a comment the movie is trying to make about like yeah and I, men another, like not men but like masculinity being being mature yeah. as a man enough to understand and appreciate other people's feelings. And now that you mentioned that we didn't really get a lot of, I mean, we got very selective characterization of Val. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Whereas we got some pretty deep characterization of Armand and Albert, mm -hmm. and. Pretty decent characterization of the Keeleys, mm -hmm. but Val and and, and especially Barbara, yeah. she's Barbara's pretty much just there. Val yeah. is a key player in the story, but we still don't get a, a a very we don't get a very clear picture of who he is as a person outside of this one scenario. Right. Because um, I, I think he's not formed yet. He's not an adult. He's. I mean, I, there's still characterization you could do, but the more I think about it, the more I think this was like a subtle theme of like just the immaturity mm -hmm. of young men and then how you grow into being a man not in the ways of like you know being the masculine provider and all that stuff but in the ways of like being an adult just human, being an adult yeah, yeah who who appreciates mm -hmm. other Be people's experience yeah because i definitely think like masculinity is a theme in this movie but i don't necessarily think it's as much in a, a applicable to Val as a character because it's really just him being a grown-up yeah, more so fair. than being a man whereas mm -hmm. like it kind of it definitely deals a lot with like the tr like you know the uh, the expectations of masculinity mm -hmm. but not with uh, not so much as it relates to Val he's more just like he is he's just, he is immature like they are like mm -hmm. for sure these two should not be getting married right now that's not something <laughs> I would recommend to anybody of that particular age he is making the very unbalanced decision to put all of his chips on uh, Barbara. Barbara. <laughs> on Barbara. Uh, he's putting all of his chips on Barbara and basically making, uh, you know, making his, the rest of his family play act this scenario mm -hmm. exclusively so that Barbara is comfortable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not, you know, it, it. he is clearly okay with his own family situation and so he is completely making this whole thing up so that Barbara isn't going to be, like I said, disowned by her parents, which again, how how do you handle that situation? Like let's mm -hmm. say, let's say he's not as immature as, as he is. How do you handle that situation if you're marrying someone with an unreasonable family mm -hmm. that is going to disown you if you marry someone with a gay parent or gay parents? How do you approach that? How valuable is their relationship with your, how valuable is your spouse's relationship with her parents to you, mm, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's fair to say it's like, it's him growing up, but I mm -hmm. do think there's an angle of, like there's, there's no interest in femininity in this no. movie. <laughs> no, And that's not in a like, ugh, fails the Bechdel test kind of way, but just in a like, it is interested in, in masculinity, the mm -hmm. way men relate to each other on right. all these different levels. The only yeah, the only that. woman in the movie who gets any significant characterization, even though very limited screen time, mm -hmm. is Val's birth mother. Right. Yeah. Um, who I thought, okay, her relationship with Armand, I mm. thought was really interesting. Yeah, and her relationship with Val. I think mm -hmm. I, that was just uh, I don't know. I like I liked how they played that out. There's the one line. Sometimes, like you notice when you notice good writing when there's it's not a lot, yes, not a lot there. Yes. Like her. The way they kind of introduced Val into the conversation, I forget what she said, but she was like, Val, is he still, how is he? Like, yeah, there was this yeah. like, 
interesting, like, not really having a point to grab onto, mm-hmm. but wanting to know how he is because he's still someone who's, right. you know, at least kind of yeah, I, in name important to her. I, I, it was, she was characterized in a way that I don't think I've ever seen in a movie before in the sense that, like, she was not at all interested in being an active mother, but mm-hmm. she is, you know... She's not invested, but she is interested. And like when it comes up, like, would you like to do this favor for him? She's like, yeah, totally. I'm yeah, on board. Yeah, I'm glad I can do this for you. And I, it, the, you know, that could have been such a like toxic situation, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's very. They had worked out something that worked for all of them. Yeah, and it was. Mm-hmm. It was nice. It was yeah, nice and to see. Again, that's kind of like Mike Nichols, is, or maybe not. I don't want to give him all the credit since this is obviously like based mm-hmm. on pre-existing work. Um, but I think that that was, you know, the idea of developing this family that is unconventional, but much more um, cohesive and well-adjusted mm-hmm. than, you know, I would argue most families in general. Like, yeah. even if you're in a really good, well-adjusted family dynamic, I feel like they what they had going on between, like, all of them, between... Val, Armand, Albert, and Val's mom, whose name escapes me. It's like, uh, they had a, was you it know, Catherine? I think it was Catherine, yeah. Mm-hmm. They had a pretty, you know, everybody was pretty chill with each other for the most part. Yeah, like they just, they had figured out a system that had worked for them, for everyone. Like their relationships were mm-hmm. worked out. Everybody was getting what they wanted. And right. Yeah, and I mean, the original play, actually, the, I think, if I'm understanding it right, the, plot is that the couple is meeting one of their parents. So it's the, mm, the two interesting. men are meeting one of their ultra-conservative parents. Gotcha. So there's not the like father-son element Right, there. right, I mean, right. obviously there is, but yes. there's not that it, it's, hiding yeah. for your parents, which kind of going it's, back to my original plot. Sorry, what was your No, it's a much more di- that's a much more direct scenario. Yeah, there's this added layer there mm-hmm. and I think getting back to the original question of why does this specific plot get remade? I mm-hmm. think it's an interesting flip on that power dynamic. Like it's yeah. one thing to try to impress and please your parents, but it adds another interesting element and nuance if it's your parents trying to right. impress you or change for you. And mm-hmm. so I think that's yeah why we come back to that story. I think I, I think you're onto something there it's just like uh, like I said I think that it is relatable to one degree or another by like most people having at least the experience of like altering or concealing some part of your own personality situationally mm-hmm. and it kind of because in in different iterations of this story I think it pushes you to think like okay how far would you take this for mm. for how far would you take this for your own benefit how far would you take this for the benefit of someone that you care about you know how far yeah. would you take this just to fit in and because I think that there are uh, there are many and not as much in like mainstream Hollywood but I mean there are is like a, are many emerging stories coming out in like independent films about like you know you know, whether they take place in the past, present, whatever, about, like, the means that people who are not just straight take to fit into broader society, Mm -hmm. to come to terms with, like, not just to come to terms with who they are as themselves, which is a major plot in many of these stories, but, like, the the, the methods that they take and the the lengths that they go to to be accepted by the world at large. Mm -hmm. This story kind of distills that down into being accepted by two people. Yeah, yeah. And I think the movies I can think of that come out today that kind of try to handle this tend to be very dramatic. And we're we're talking about this from a very dramatic angle, but like you really can't underemphasize how funny and just like light it is to watch. It just never felt heavy. It was always very like 
bubbly and yeah. sweet and even the kind of darker moments mm -hmm. never got that heavy. I thought everything mm -hmm. was handled with like a very steady hand. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and I, I think that especially that comes out in like the scenes where it's just Armand and Albert um, yeah. talking to each other mm -hmm. because then it's like, that's kind of like when they get a breather, mm -hmm. you know? You know, even when Agador is around, it's like they still have kind of like, you know, you ever have like a relationship with another person, friend, whatever, where it's like you act differently with each other when there's even one other person around than you do mm -hmm. when it's just the two of you. Yeah. Um, I think that a lot of people have relationships like that just throughout their lives. And so it's like when it's just you and one other person, that is when like the relationship, whatever it is, is distilled to its most essential elements. Yeah. And I thought it was a very like, a very committed relationship type thing like I mm -hmm. I remember kind of having a moment as as a kid or kind of adolescent when one of my parents would talk about something the other parent had said like oh mm -hmm. like we were talking about this or like they're yeah. worried about this or something and kind of realizing that they talk without me there. right yeah like these people have a relationship that doesn't include me also but I am the protagonist of reality <laughs> how can this happen and also like you're my parents like that's who you are right what do you mean you guys are like talking about things mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. don't involve me or that like you're having conversations about things that aren't the family conversation. So I, it, it felt very much like that's, that to me. Like that's, that's something I think about with like my friend who's got three kids. I'm mm -hmm. like, what's gonna happen when they're old enough to like talk about stuff with each other yeah. that the parents aren't involved in. Like that oh, process, I was yeah. like, what is that all about? Yeah, I wonder if it's weird. Parents, write in and tell us. Is it weird <laughs> the other way to think that like your kids are have a relationship independent of you like I imagine yeah. you get used to it but at the same time it's like when it starts to happen it's like well that's strange yeah that's yeah. so funny but it, it felt very much like that to me like yes you they have a relationship relating to this one person and to the nightclub mm -hmm. and to Agador who is basically a member of the family and right. everything else that's around them but they also have just like this independent world that mm -hmm. every relationship kind of is yeah and I think that, like, also those scenes in particular, specifically the one that they have on the bench when uh, oh, Albert so sweet. basically, first of all, there were lots of suicide jokes in this movie, and then when it's oh. finally like, a, and then when it's like finally a thing that like Al Armand kind of believes might happen, or at least it's serious enough to go chase Albert down. When they had that conversation on the park bench, I think that that was like at that point, if you still don't see gay people as normal oh. people, yeah. I don't know what to say. I don't even know what to say. It's a love story at that point. It was you know? So, was that what he was saying? Was Nathan Lane was saying he was going to kill himself? I think that's what he was saying because he was oh, saying he was okay. going to the cemetery. Right. I thought he was like basically doing an I'm running away from home. Like yeah, I'm going to go I, be alone in the cemetery but you think it was like, I kind no. of, I, that's how I interpreted it. Yeah. I mean it was, it wasn't out in the open, so they to speak. They do, in the first, that first sequence Robin Williams says something where he's like I'm going to kill myself and you're yeah. like Oh, yeah. that really hurts my heart. Yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of goes back to the PC thing. I feel like that's one of those things that's going to come and go as far as, like, people, look. It's just poignant now. Like, you hear yeah. it and you're like, oh, no. Anyway, I don't want to yeah. stay there too No, long, no, no, but... no. But I, did, I thought that that was, like, kind of the, I felt like that particular scene of them two on the, on the bench having that conversation, that was kind of, like, the point where I felt like Mike Nichols or whoever was trying mm. to say like, okay, but seriously, at this point, if you're not on board, then this is not the movie for you. Yeah, no one's gonna save you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, well, that was so sweet. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, before we get into all the rapid fire favorite sure. funny lines <laughs> that I'm gonna wanna do, right. is there anything else you wanna talk about? Um, yeah, I mean, I, um, 
I was curious to talk a little bit more about um, Agador as just like a character <gasps> yes! because I oh man he I I know that it's not that I dislike the character I see from the look on your face that you're concerned about what my opinion no, of this character yeah. is but I was like that is a real that is a real broad accent that he's doing right now yes. this is like I feel like if I and this is one of those times where I have to say I don't personally have a problem with this oh. I feel like. If this movie did come out today, that would be something that people would get hung up on, is yes. his portrayal of this character who is not only cartoonishly gay, but also cartoonishly Guatemalan. Yes. My Guatemalan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, that's one of those things It's not, maybe wouldn't fly today. Didn't have all that uh, uh, bronzer on like uh, Brendan Fraser did in uh, Bedazzled. Oh, yeah. but I was like, did he? I didn't catch it again. But I, no, he's <laughs> just, I, yes, he, uh, yeah, yeah. I Anyone who has a right to an opinion on this, I would absolutely listen to you saying this is this is stereotypical or not, not the way we should be portraying, you know, a Guatemalan immigrant. But he is such a delightful character. <laughs> I, oh my gosh, he has some of the best lines. The shoes gag at the end. <laughs> yes. So funny. That was good. But yeah, I mean, I, I can't I can't defend the accent or the, I mean, I Hank Azaria did consult friends who were drag queens on mm. his portrayal, so okay. hopefully that means that some people signed off from within the community saying like, yep, this is fine. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. The accent was a lot. It was. Uh, was... I would. Uh, he he was a strong contender with Nathan Lane for the most over the top portrayal of a gay character that I have ever seen yeah. in any movie ever. Yeah. Um, and which is fine. I just thought it was like, all right, this is what this is what you're doing with this character. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, I I did appreciate though at the beginning again, like in the very like the first couple of minutes of this movie, the way that they positioned his role within mm. like the dynamic of the different main characters as mm -hmm. like, you know, frankly kind of a ditzy persona that he's mm -hmm. putting off, but also like smart enough to out, like clever enough to outsmart Albert with the Pirin tablets. Pirin. That was good stuff. I I, I really enjoyed that. What are that. you giving him? What's Pirin? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's aspirin. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, he did, it, it was almost like another son character, almost like he was almost mm -hmm. a member of the family and he has this different, like the shift between him dealing with Albert and him dealing with Armand is, you know, Armand is is quick and he's a little harsh with Ar with Agador, whereas Albert kind of relies on him and and, mm -hmm. Ag and Agador knows how to play to both of them. They're right. Like seeing those relationships shifts was really funny. But he can't and cook apparently. He can't cook. He can't cook and he can't wear shoes. Eat soup. <laughs> Eat the shoes. Mm -hmm. They're making me fall down. So cute. Yeah, it was just like <laughs> so sweet. Was there anything else you wanted to say about him? I Not really. Much. Um, I just, just thought like... I, I, I thought it was interesting. I didn't really have anything else to say about him. I just did think it was kind of interesting how, like, you look at movies like this from, in this case, 20 years ago. And mm -hmm. I, granted, I, I am the first person to say I don't think that we should judge movies from the past by the standards of the present mm -hmm. as necessarily. Yeah. I just thought that it was interesting to see, a, a, you know, the kind of movie like this one from the time period that it was made where it's like it gets so much right and there's so much like so much you can say man they were really on the nose and so much where you're like ooh that part doesn't age so well um, yeah. and that and that mix I feel like makes it a more complex viewing experience which is something that I really am interested in 
just in general. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I, I think, and you know, it's the risk of taking. It, agree, it, it, it's the risk of making bold choices. I think. Yeah, and I think this is the kind of thing that, like, when PC as a trend is has kind of crested, I think that's going to be the kind of thing that, like, is not a big. This is the kind of this is the kind of conversation that is happening as PC as a trend is kind of at peak, and then when we come out of this, like, if. If we come into a world after all of this discussion and thought that's been put against it that has like equal opportunities for a bunch of different people, mm -hmm. this kind of thing won't be quite as malicious. Right. No, I agree. And I think that definitely like in 2018, we're very much in the midst of having a large scale conversation about what's okay, what's not okay. Mm -hmm. But that conversation is going to reach conclusions at some point. Yeah. So we'll see. And if, I think you're right. We'll see. Yeah. Hopefully. We'll see. Mm -hmm. What's at the end of the rainbow? That's true. I will say, this movie, I guess this is in the days of Rotten Tomatoes, so I'd have to check. Mm. Well, 79%, which is press, but like critically low. Not as high as I was expecting yeah, at all. 80% audience score. Like, Still pretty, who I, are I, you people? I honestly thought this movie was like universally beloved. Like, I, I did not, I, I wasn't too. expected by that. I mean, mm. I, I'll be honest. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say five out of five for me personally. I like it. That's I, fine. But better than yeah. less than three quarters. That's like a like, C plus. Yeah. One of the rotten reviews says it doesn't champ so much champion diversity as celebrate conformity. Did you watch the whole movie? Time out. That is weird. Like what did you watch? What a glossy miscalculation with Nathan Lane and Robin Williams. Disagree. I thought that was perfectly calculated. I, I really enjoyed the fact that like this whole thing was happening in like a community that was like super accepting of uh, like that particular orientation, lifestyle, however you mm -hmm. want to phrase it. Um, and yet they were still in a position of having to like Intolerant. prove themselves. Oh yeah. yeah. That's what I was saying. It was like, yeah, I, it's, it's crazy that they're putting it that way. Conformity. Conformity to what? Are they saying that Gene Hackman had to conform by yeah. becoming a drag queen? Ugh. Because I hate that it did, when the conservatives have to. Because that did kind of happen, I guess, beliefs. and so that's how they had to conform True. to like what was going on in the club. Technically, yeah, we have not talked about the ending yet. Let's talk. Let's about talk the about the ending. So the like, you know, crux of the whole movie we haven't discussed when Nathan Lane actually is in drag as Val's mom and passes flawlessly with, at least with Gene Hackman. I can't mm -hmm. really tell with Miss Keeley, right. Senator Keeley's wife. If she's buying it? No. Well, I mean, she's clearly jealous. Uh-huh. But she does seem kind of, like, her first look is kind of like, what? So the whole thing was like a some like it hot kind of a situation. Mm -hmm. Which Have you seen that? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So the whole thing was like that, and I honestly thought that it was speeding toward that ending, which would mm. have been hilarious. Yeah. But at the same time, the way I kind of interpreted it, because I, I was like, God bless Nathan Lane, but he looks nothing like any woman I have ever seen in my life. Um, but, you know, I... I I thought that, after thinking about it for a while, I was like, maybe it's a situation where this Gene Hackman character, has, it's the farthest thing from his mind mm. that this could possibly be a man dressed like a woman. I think there's some bearing to that because he's like, when they actually find it out, he is so, like it takes him so long to just mm -hmm. get what is happening. Yeah. Like his wife is like, pay attention. Like, yeah. They are men. These yes, are both yeah, men. And like yeah. has to go through it because 
And he's like, wait, you're Jewish? And like all this stuff, like, <laughs> yes. it's just, it really, I, I think you may be exactly right. Cause I was kind of wondering that too. Like, like he's so dyed in the wool conservative that he yeah. doesn't even consider the possibility that this is even a thing. And even yeah. when it's, even when it is literally staring him in the face. Yeah. I think you're probably right about that. Like, I think that's honestly why, like, okay, so this is getting a little bit off topic, but like a uh, hundred 100 to, 100 to 120 years ago, like in the vaudeville circuit, mm. and I only know this because I've read old-timey performers' biographies, uh, uh, or autobiographies. Were the biographies old-timey? Like you read them in an old, old newspaper or something? Both. Or was it? Uh, oh, my god. Anyway, or autobiographies, I guess I would say, like oh. of performers who actually like were around in that era. Like they would talk about how like some of the key performers, not key performers, but some of the common performers you would see on those circuits were what they then called female impersonators, what we would today call drag queens. Mm. But the idea that that would actually be somebody's lifestyle was so far from anyone's mind that they were mainstream accepted as just like a novelty act. Right. And so it was like people would go to these shows and there would be a quote unquote female impersonator and they weren't like necessarily heckled or nobody considered the fact that they might be homosexual because like, I mean, some drag performers are, some drag performers aren't, that's not what I'm saying here, but Nobody even considered that that was a possibility because it was so far from anyone's mind that any person right. would be homosexual. I feel like female impersonator also frames it in a way that it's like, aren't women funny? Like, I'm going to pretend to be one. And not like, it's a different lens. Yeah. Well, Drag is very like beautiful and over the yeah. top and, you know, not always pretty, pretty, but like just, it's always very just gorgeous in a way. And... Yeah, and female impersonator, I could see being like, meh. Well, I think that it was more in the sense of like a Victor Victoria kind of a thing, uh -huh. where gotcha. it's like it's a it's a person who is not caricaturing and a man who's not caricaturing women, but who is performing as a woman. And part mm -hmm. of the and the quote unquote the gag of the whole thing is at the end they rip off the wig and they're like, ha ha, gotcha. Oh, okay. So you wouldn't know. You it's wouldn't go and to, be like, ah, oh, right. It's a female supposed impersonator. to actually trick somebody. And I feel like at the and I, the impression that I got from these stories and things that I was reading was that at that time period, like I said, the idea of just someone being gay was just like not even on yeah. anyone's mind unless it was blatantly told to them. And so like the idea of a man dressing like a woman was just considered kind of like, like I said, it's like, it's a, just a gag. That's mm -hmm. it. It's not, it's like surface level, strictly just, it's just acting. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I feel like, you know, as times change, people get more or less um, attuned to things that are going on and get... Yeah. And some people get freaked out by it. Some, you know. Yeah, sure. I mean, why you would you think of it if if you if wasn't already exactly? It's like you can't be freaked out by something you don't even know about. Mm -hmm. uh, the other part of the ending that I thought was interesting was the just when they're all in drag coming out. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's exactly. I mean, to your point, rewinding a little bit, when he when Gene Hackman gets out of the club, like that's exactly what happens. No one's looking yeah. for him in drag. Right. So they, he's blending in. Yeah. He is. But, Invisible. <laughs> yeah, he's totally blended in. Um, even though, like, he, again, few men look less like a woman than Gene Hackman. It's uh, nice, though. I think I would have bought it. If really? I saw him really? On the yeah. Okay. Like, the eye makeup and everything, I was like, okay. Whether you believe that it was a woman or you thought that it was a man dressed like a woman, regardless, in mm -hmm. that scenario, in that block of South Beach, no one would have cared. Could have been, like, yeah. No one, no one would be even batted an eye by it. It's like, Everyone's oh yeah. Everyone's in roller skates and thong bikinis. Just came out of the, Ugh. just came out of the birdcage. No big deal. Yeah. Um, I do think his characterization after that was interesting. Like, he's like, don't make me dance alone. Like all this stuff. I was like, <laughs> man, yeah. Like you just, he he fell right into kind mm -hmm. of 
a female mentality. Yeah, yeah. Um, and even backing up before that, it's like the idea that after all of this bending over backward to try to not freak out Barbara's parents, at the end, knowing full well who this Kevin Keeley senator is, mm -hmm. they are willing to help him out and save face to, yeah. to do what exactly? Continue with his ultra-conservative anti-gay agenda? Well, hopefully his mind was... I think they were just seeing him as a person. They were yeah. like, you know what? I'm going to help this guy. There's no reason not to. And then hopefully he will have seen the humanity of these people and it will affect his policies moving forward. Perhaps, perhaps. We shall, we, TBD, I suppose, yep. in the sequel, question uh, mark? Oh. Well, um, <laughs> I, yeah, I have so much more I could say about this movie, but it is time to wrap up. I think so. Would you recommend this one? I would, and I, normally I recommend with conditions. I would actually recommend this movie with no conditions. I think that this is something that, as we mentioned earlier on in the episode, it's still very culturally relevant. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it is something that is important. Um, I think the themes that this movie deals with are things that are important for people who are alive in America in 2018 mm -hmm. to like think about. Um, you know, especially if it's something that's not necessarily at the forefront of your mind. Um, and maybe a good movie to recommend as just like a goofy comedy. Yeah. You know, even if it's yeah, it it's 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 a it's 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 a movie with like guts and with like an organ system. You know, some movies, wow. some movies, like heart, but like some movies are just surgical. skin. You know what I mean? It's just like yeah. <laughs> no, no, I don't want to follow this metaphor anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, this movie it's it's rock solid. I mean, it's just like a, it's just a really good, well-made movie. And even though I hate it when people say well-made is like an adjective, but it really is. It's like. It's like Just a, as a like well-made bothers you, or like a well-made movie sounds. A well-made movie sounds like all right. So you're just like it's like oh you tried really hard. Oh, okay. No. Ooh, you edited it and you. Look at this color corrected it. and everything. <laughs> no, I mean I, like this is obviously Mike Nichols like still got it. Mm -hmm. You know, thirty years after the uh, the graduate and uh, really uh, like I said, it was it was I thought it was very of the time in 1996. Feels very of the time in 2018. Um, yeah, and bonus points if you're also familiar with uh, that part of South Florida because it was pretty spot on in how that part of Florida oh, was represented okay. as well. Gotcha. Um, so yes, definitely recommend. Cool. Um, obviously, I recommend. I think it's wonderful. It's just fun to watch. Um, what about your review? Okay, my review for The Birdcage. 20 years later, The Birdcage has aged remarkably well as one of the most interesting representations of queer life in America that mainstream Hollywood has produced yet. Balancing humor, humanity, and provocative discussion points, this film handles the subjects of family, politics, and sexuality with a breezy mix of frankness and delicacy. Uh, director Mike Nichols maintains the electric atmosphere he brought to The Graduate, Catch-22, and Virginia Woolf with help from a superb cast. Nice. This is one of our more earnest episodes, I yes, think. Yes, I think that we... Uh, it deserves it. It's did, a wonderful movie. Did... I don't think either of us swore this episode yeah, either. Man. We didn't. Gosh. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, it's an R-rated movie too, and they barely swear. Is it? I think. I think it is. Oh man. Okay, so before we move on to the pitch, lightning round, real quick. What, oh, like, yep. I loved uh, Nathan Lane's uh, uh, John Wayne impre impression. Oh my god, that was amazing. I and I loved the like. He was like, "What? No good?" And he was like, "No, it was spot on. I just never realized he walked like that." Yeah, that which was exactly <laughs> my thought when he did it. Oh, I was so like, funny. "Oh my god, that is John Wayne." 
Anyway, the whole but, sequence is so good. Are we lightning rounding like lightning round? Moments? Let's do okay. it. What do you got? Um, the how about those dolphins? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah. The uh, oh shit, what was it? Oh, I had one and I lost it. Uh, oh man, I swore. Darn it. Oh, oh perfect record broken. Mm -hmm. Whatever. Anyway. Um, that was actually all I had, sorry. What? That was the only one? <laughs> Why would you start a lightning round like that? I can oh, lap you so easy. Oh, for sure. The um the house the house full of dicks, honestly. Like that was oh, just yeah. like how many penises can you fit into one household? Oh god. And he turns it around and it's like just the butt yeah, <laughs> that statue. Yeah, 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 yeah. Better? Uh, all the, um, going off of that one, all the like straight things they try to put in the yes. house, the moose head, Playboy, and he's yeah. like, who put Playboy in the bathroom? It's like, what? It's what they read. <laughs> um, yeah, the all that. The extremely low table. I don't know what, oh. that, that felt like when they replaced the table in their living, in their dining mm -hmm. room, like under the crucifix, but like the one that they're all sitting around in those giant like medieval oh, chairs yeah. and the table is at like knee level, I was felt it? like. It oh, felt I like, thought it was normal. It's just like the table, the it, chairs were so high. It felt like a very low table to me <laughs> when they first sat down and I thought that was really funny. Um, I've already said this one, but I have to throw it in. The shoes gag. The, like, that... the shoes make me th fall down and then you just see him like slipping all over the place. Um, same one. Uh, I thought that, <laughs> that uh, Agador dancing to a... Miami Sound Machine with the, <laughs> with the, um, with the wig on was pretty yeah. good. Oh man, there's so many good ones. I already said the Pierce the Toast one. Classic. So what? Um, <laughs> all of Nathan Lane's, like, when he would kind of like scream, like squeal, it's just so funny. It's so cute. And then Robin Williams, like, hurts his ankle and he's like, I hate when you get hysterical. <laughs> it, it, it is a very funny movie. Highly recommend. Just Indeed. for the comedy alone, I think it's well worth it. Yep. Um, I that's suppose it. if that's it, we can look forward to next week. Yes, what do we got? All right, let's see. How am I going to characterize these? How am I going to categorize these? Would you like to watch a black and white or color movie? Whoa. Um, let's do black and white. Oh, okay. Hmm. Am I going to be able to find this anywhere? Yes, you will. Where can I watch black oh, and white films? Okay. 100% you'll be able to find this. It's not one. Ed Wood again. It's not Ed Wood again. Um, now how do I how do I subdivide this one here? Oh, wow. one, one more choice. Multiple, black easy and to white. find black and white films. Yes, definitely. Okay. Fantastic. Um, old or new? New. All right. How much do you know about the Iranian Revolution? Oh no! I thought you were gonna bring the artist. Um, uh -uh. Not a. Oh well, no. I saw the movie Argo, and honestly, that's probably mm -hmm. the majority okay. of my knowledge. Okay. They do a pretty good setup in the beginning, though. Quite honestly. So. Sure. Okay. Okay. This is a this is a film that I feel like I real I, I was not expecting con to connect to it as much as I did. Hmm. Um, it is a story that I can relate to very little, and yet I still find it captivating, really engrossing. Um, it's the story of a life, um, nonfiction. Mm -hmm. um, it is. Uh, Foreign language, but we can find it dubbed, and I think the English dub is actually really good. It's an animated movie. Oh. Uh, I know all of these things together. I can see the in your intrigue. Yes. Kay, have you seen Persepolis? No, I have not. All right. I don't even have a picture in my head. It was a, it was an Oscar winner a few years ago. Okay. It is based on a graphic novel that I would also highly recommend. Oh. Um, an autobiographical graphic novel. We'll get into all this at length. Autobiographic. Novel. Autobiographic novel. That's yes. there we go. That's it. Um, but anyway, yes. Uh, if you're out there listening and you're not following along with the movies that we're watching, shame on you. Definitely watch this one. It's very, very good. 
Um, and uh, yeah, I'm very interested and excited to discuss it with you. This is one that's been high on my list for a long time, and Ooh. we're finally getting to it. Nice. I'm excited to watch it. I know less than <laughs> I usually know about your picks, so this is this will be interesting. Good. I go in cold. Don't watch the trailer. Oh, okay. All right. I'll watch the trailer. All right, maybe watch the trailer. It's fine. Oh, all right. Well, now I don't know what to do. Um, Okay, well, then until next time, go check us out on Instagram or Facebook or even Twitter, though we're not super active. We're not really active on Twitter, but we'll get there. there Yeah, we're there. We're we're around. Mostly stick to like uh, Facebook, maybe a little bit of Instagram. Uh, We're at KHaveYouSeen, underscores between the. Relevant words. Also, and... also rate our rate our reviews. Thumbs up our reviews on IMDb oh, and yeah, Amazon. Yeah. And uh, obviously, download the podcast, listen to it, rate, subscribe, review, subscribe, send it to your friends, your parents, all, whatever. Like all your friends, like all of them. every single one of them. Like I know you're only bagging like fifty percent right now. The ones who are already listening to podcasts, but like we need to start a revolution. Here. Be one of those people. Create a Facebook event and invite your entire friend list. Yes, And yes. that event is Wednesday, when yes. the next episode launches. Recurring. Uh, yeah, I mean, create fan pages about us. Like, make, don't... Make weird fan art and send it to us. Not, like, weird, but, like, fan art, if you're good at, like, art. I mean, make, make, yeah. make it kind of weird. Like, a little weird. I don't, I don't know. Okay, I'm fine. afraid of the internet, people. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, just, you know, be bigger fans. That's all we ask of you. Just, just like us more. That's really what we're getting down to. Just like us more. Yeah, we need affirmation. <laughs> but that's enough of this. All right. We will see you next time. On Bye. 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 Come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. Come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer.